Hey, Cracked fans, as winter slowly turns into spring and all of us look forward to getting back on the outdoor tennis courts, we here at Crack Rackets want to ensure that you listeners have everything you need to make sure your return to outdoor tennis is a successful one. That's where our friends at Gamma Sports come in. Now, if you need new strings, new grips, new court equipment, ball hoppers, machine tools, and accessories, whatever it may be, our friends at Gamma have it all for you. They've also, of course, got dampeners, over grips, replacement grips. They've got it all. And if you go to their website, gammasports.com slash tennis right now, you use our promo code CRACK20, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, I know Gamma has a new string pattern in the queue called the React Pro which all of you Gamma String users will enjoy. And even if you're not using Gamma Strings, maybe now's the time to start. But they've also got polyesters, everything you could be looking for from a tennis equipment standpoint, all in one location. Just go to gammasports.com slash tennis right now. Use that promo code CRACK20 to get 20% off your order. Again, gammasports.com slash tennis. Use that promo code CRACK20 to get 20% off your order. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, March 9th. There continues to be an abundance of action for all of us tennis fans to enjoy. You look across the board, we have two more WTA events, three ATP 250s, two ATP challengers, tons of ITF Pro Circuit and college tennis action for us to enjoy. So as always, it remains a fantastic time to be a tennis fan. What I'm going to do on today's show, run us across the board, talk about the players we have competing in each of these events, let you all know the schedule we have on hand in Wednesday's matches. Now, I'm not going to deep dive too far into any individual matches. I do want to talk about a couple of players who have caught my eye thus far in the week, but again, more of a broader podcast on what all of you listeners can expect to watch on the professional tennis circuit uh, this week. Of course, if you want to hear more in-depth coverage of the ATP Challenger action, because I really am just going to kind of fly through those at the end of today's podcast, go check out our Great Shot podcast feed. Crack Rackets contributor David Gertler joined me for a conversation on the ATP Challenger All-Stars through the first two months of the season. We talk about Really, I'd say the 10 best players on the ATP Challenger Tour, the guys who have had success on the Challenger Tour, translate to results at the ATP Tour level, the guys we expect to continue to rise over the next few months. We hit so many different players. It's an in-depth conversation. I think we went a little over an hour so. If you want to hear more in-depth Challenger coverage, be sure to go check out our Great Shot podcast feed. Again, though, uh, on today's show, I want to focus on the tour-level events and then talk a little bit at the end about the challengers we have on hand this week. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here on this podcast because of the support we get from all of you listeners, I should say, is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our fantastic Patreon supporters, and of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. You know the deal. What's the promo code? Let me hear you say it. Is that CR15 I hear in the background? Thank you. You're correct. It is CR15. What does that promo code get you? 15% off all of your orders. Free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. We are also so excited to launch our Midwest Sports Picks Pool. Uh, which, of course, will be a daily pick from any of the matches happening at the tour-level events across the globe. You pick the correct winners. If you pick, I should say, the most uh, correct winners over the course of a month, you will win a $25 gift card to Midwest Sports. If you have the longest consecutive win streak over the course of a month, you will also win a $25 gift card with Midwest Sports. So, to go sign up, play along with us, go to our website, crackrackets.com, where you can read more. And again, if you want to sign up, you can find the links on our various social media pages. Very excited to get that going. Come on. I know all of you, you're as knowledgeable as they get. Flex your muscles. Show me you can pick more correct winners than I can. The other bonus prize, you're going to get to appear on one of our Crack Rackets podcasts if you like, if you win the competition. So, again, 
be sure to go check out our new Cracked Rackets Picks Pool brought to you by Midwest Sports. And as always, MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, I'm going to clear my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let's get into our professional tennis action. Let's start with the women in Dubai. Another fantastic WTA event on our hands. We have almost exclusively top 50 players in the draw. We have now reached the round of 16 in Dubai. And we've lost 8 of our 16 seeds. But... I'm going to read you the list of seeds who have been knocked out and tell you the players that knocked them out. Think in your head if any of these surprise you. Svitolina, our top seed, lost today to uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova. That match, a three-set loss for Svitolina. She ends up dropping the decision in the end. Uh, she takes the first set. Uh, it was actually a very high level of tennis from Svitolina in the first set as she ended up taking it 6-2. Drops the next two sets, 6-4, six, 6-1. Six, so again, a 2-6, 6-4, 6-1 six, six, win for Kuznetsova. I know that 6-1 scoreline sounds bad. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting into the matches now. I said I wasn't going to do a deep dive. I know that 6-1 set sounds bad, but just for some context, I believe five of those first six games, and I think six of the seven, uh, so I suppose six of the seven games overall, uh, went to at least one deuce. So Svitolina was in all of those games. She just could not put the point uh, the ball away against Kuznetsova. But again, it was a three-set loss for Svitolina. Kiki Burton's lost her match to Martin Sova, but of course Kiki Burton still coming back from injury. Kvitova pulls out in the second set in a match against Jill Teichman. Of course, Kvitova was our winner last week in Doha. So if that's very surprising to you, I'll let you, I suppose, think about uh, that's a that's a thought you have to, I suppose that's a consideration, I say. You have to weigh on your own, but just the thought. Madison Keys continuing to play her way back into form, only second event for her after she tested positive for COVID in January. She lost to Potapova. Von Drusova lost a three-set match to Goff. Petra Martic lost to Kiki Mladenovic, who, if you listen to this podcast, you know was fantastic last week in Lyon. And so, you know, Petra Martic on a hard court, is that her best surface ever? No, but just some context to that loss. And then, of course, you had Rybakina, three-set thrill she lost to Jabour and then Sakari, a straight set loss to Krechikova in her first match. Of all of those eight upsets, I would say the only ones that shock me are Sakari losing to Krechikova. That is absolutely a shock. I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm looking across the board. If you watched the Jabour Rabakina match, that was a pick'em, and Jabour's played so exceptionally of late. I thought Rabakina played really well. Also, that was just a really fun match, and it was a three-setter. It was an either-or. The Mladenovic result might be surprising if she hadn't looked so good in Lyon. I mean, maybe Svitolina. I guess that's the one she should have won that match. So Sakari and Svitolina, two of the eight upsets surprised me. But And, you know, again, the Svitolina one may be a stretch, but that speaks to the parity right now in the women's game. And you look right now at the round of 16 we have set here. It's a fantastic uh, set of matchups for all of us tennis fans. You look at the eight singles matches we're going to see. Kuznetsova versus Krechikova, Potapova versus Bencic, Teichman versus Shabur, Goff, Martin, Sova, Sviantek, Muguruza, hello, Kanteve, Sabalenka, that is a match made for me, Garcia, Mertens, and then a Pegula, Pliskova, <clears throat> excuse me, rematch after they faced off last week when Pliskova had like 10 hours of rest in between the two matches. So it's a really fun round of 16 slate. Of course, you talk about how we got here. The player whose performance has stood out to me the most is Coco Goff, and of course you look for the young, uh, turning 17, I believe, in four days, uh, young American, 18 and 10 now in her last 52 wins over Ekaterina Alexandrova and Marketa Van Drusova in three sets here this week, and that is now two of seven consecutive matches she has played that have gone three sets. The most um, you know amazing part of that streak, she's 6-1. 
in those seven matches. And for a 16-year-old to be playing this brand of physical tennis, uh, it's spectacular. And the thing that was so amazing in the differences in her performance between Von, uh, the Von Drusva and Alexandrova matches is just the differences in the way she played against Alexandrova. She started throwing these high, loopy, elevated, over-the-net balls to just get the ball above the shoulder of uh, Ekaterina Alexandrova, to not let her have balls in her strike zone that she's taking early and redirecting flat down the line. And it was such a smart adjustment, and she continues to be effective with her first serve. Now, that first serve percentage has been 49.5% and 50.5% through her first two matches, and obviously that's something she'll continue to improve on throughout her career. But She's just such a problem solver on the court, and her movement allows her to be in a position to compete in each and every point. And again, she can do so many different things against Von Drusova. You know, Von Drusova matched her patience in the first set, and it was a 6-3 first set to Von Drusova because Goff was a little bit too passive. And then I think Goff figured out, oh, what you have to do is attack that big Von Drusova forehand backswing with pace, and she'll sit a ball up, and then, you know, Goff's able to move the ball around, and she's so good when she's in the outer thirds as well. And Von Drusova, by the way, was very good in this match, and it got a little bit testy, which is always fun when these matches get competitive between two young up-and-comers because you know we're going to get to see it again in the future. But, you know, for Coco Goff, she just... The way she competes, she can do a little bit of everything. She's comfortable moving forward, volleying. She's comfortable taking balls early out of the air, hitting swinging volleys off of both sides. Of course, the forehand, the second serve continued to need work. But considering she's not even 17 years old, she's won six of her past seven three-set matches. She's come out blazing this year. You look for her now in the rankings. She's up to number 40, but in the live rankings after her victories this week, she's going to move up to number 37, which is a new career high. She's been spectacular, and Martin Sova's a very winnable match for her in the round of 16, and it's just, again, the the different ways she does it. In this six of seven matches, she's beaten Kaya Yuvan, the talented youngster who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. She's beaten a Martic, a Paulini, a Rogers, Alexandrova, Van Drusova, her only loss, a three-set loss to Belinda Bencic, who is still alive in the round of 16 and played very, very well in her match against Veronica Kudermatova, um, and all last week, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, I, I'm just so excited about the tennis, folks, I apologize, but, uh, and I, I seem to have gotten it there, in case any of you are curious at home, but uh, for, you know, Coco Goff, it's just, she, there's a reason people consider, you look, you watch her play, you can see the talent, you can see the athleticism, uh, but there's a reason people are very excited about her, and she continues to deliver results, which is the thing that is most exciting for all of us tennis fans. A fantastic first two matches for her here in Dubai. She advances to the round of 16, where again, she is going to face Martin Sova. You look at some of the other pathways for these players, how they got to this round of 16. I mentioned that Belinda Bencic match. It was a three-set victory for her over Veronica Kudermatova Bencic, advancing ultimately with, and I don't want to get the scoreline wrong. I apologize. There's been a bunch. It's crazy to think they're already through three days of action in Dubai. That is, of course, a little bit a product of the time difference and you know the fact that some of these matches happen so early for us here in the United States. But for Bencic, was a 6-4, 5-7, victory. For Kudermatova, you just feel bad, you know, feel bad is the wrong word, but you look for her over her past couple of events. The fact that she lost, you know, this week, it was a three-set loss to Bencic. Last week, two and six to Muguruza. The week before, three and six in Adelaide. In uh, the Australian Open, she beats Kostyuk, beats Gracheva before losing to Simona Halep. She's right there. Her level, you know, she is going to make a jump this year, folks, and you look for her, I suppose, given the fact that in the rankings she has already made a jump up to number 34, which is her new career high in singles. Um, That jump is happening, but it shouldn't surprise everyone. She was right there with Bencic, but Bencic is starting to play that tennis we saw from her throughout the 2019 season. Just such a prolific shot maker. Her ability to absorb pace and redirect it, even when the ball's at her feet. If she makes clean contact with the ball, she takes control of the point. And again, her movement's not great. It's fine. Uh, but her comfort moving forward, her 
I just hate to say it, but her big, her gumption. I mean, her willingness to go big, play to win, play on her terms. You love it. And so, again, for Benchich, that was a fantastic result. Very excited to see her play again against Potapova. That's a match she can very much win. Uh, but you look across the board, again, uh, for some of these players, for Jabour, uh, that three-cent match she played against Rabakina was outstanding. A 7-6, victory for her. It was Power tennis versus uh, creativity. It was just, you know, Rabakina plays one speed. It's fast. It's very, very, very fast. And she is going to have a run, folks. She, it, Her game is very much predicated on confidence. And once she gets a little bit more confidence back, we'll see her regain that form she had at the beginning of last season. But... Jabour is in full control right now. The slices, the drop shots, the ability to take the ball early. She's a sneaky, fantastic mover around the court. Uh, again, the level of play in Doha has been extraordinarily in Doha in Dubai, excuse me, has been extraordinarily high. Jabour, uh, just another player you throw on that list. And again, you look at the matches we have tomorrow. Round of sixteen battles across the board. I believe we're going to see all eight. We have uh, Pegula Pliskova followed by Kanteve Sabalenka, Garcia Mertens, Sviantek Muguruza, then Teichman Jabour. I think that action starts three. On the East Coast. So, yes, I'm going to get up early, folks, so that you have the opportunity to hear from these players in our From the Presser segments on our Cracked Interviews podcast tomorrow. We've also got Kuznetsova Krechakova, Potapova Bencic, and Goff Martin Sova throughout the day. So, should be a fantastic day of action in Dubai. Let's switch gears now, stay with the WTA tour, but move to Guadalajara, where I had the chance to speak with one of our winners on the first two days of main draw play. Uh, One of the many, 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 countless at this point. Do you want me to list them all? I can list them all if you want. In fact, let's do a little tangent action. This is half the fun of when I go Han Solo on these podcasts. You look at the players, the WTA Live rankings, players currently under the age of 21 who are inside the top 100. How many would you guess? There are. I'm going to let you think for a second while I obfuscate, while I buy time, while my browser loads. But if you're going to say that number is 12, congratulations to you. You should go to Las Vegas tomorrow. The 12 players under the age of 21 who are currently inside the top 100. Bianca Andreescu, Grand Slam champion. By the way, she turns 21 pretty soon, but Grand Slam champion. Iga Sviantek, still 19 years old. Grand Slam champion, Amanda Nisimova, 19 years old, Diana Yastrzemska, 19 years old, <clears throat> Coco Goff, who I just waxed poetically, about 16 years old, uh, and and those are all, by the way, those five top 40 players. You have Ann Lee, who 20-year-old American, number 72, Anastasia Potapova, who I just talked about, also alive in the Dubai round of 16, she's 19 years old, Kostyuk's 18, Leila Fernandez, who is playing, I believe, right now as I'm recording this in Guadalajara. Hara currently in the third set up 4-3 on Kalinskaya. She is also uh, only 18 years old. And then you've got Kaya Yuvan, uh, 20-year-old Slovenian, number 90 in the rankings, 20 years old. Gracheva, 94. Clara Tossin, 96. Of course, I didn't mention players like McNally or Cochiretto, Osigwe, Clara Burel, and you know so many other talented youngsters currently climbing their way up the rankings. But I'm telling you folks, had there been a full season last year, Kaya Yuvon would have cracked the top 100, and she did it this year for the first time, but you look for her uh, throughout her tour play. The crazy thing is, you know, you look in her young career, she's already played, including qualifying, 62 WTA tour level matches. She's 37 and 25 in those matches, considering she doesn't turn 21 until the end of this season. Uh, I think we should expect the number 91 player in the world to, and number 98, as I mentioned in the live rankings, to uh, make an even bigger jump this year. And you look in her last 52, she's 17 and 11, ended up beating Joe Conta, who unfortunately had to retire in the Australian Open, but then Maya Sharif before losing to Jen Brady in the Australian Open. The fact that she came through qualies to get into that Australian Open allowed her the chance to play some of the WTA level events in Australia. She beats Ya 
Yafan Wang before losing a really fun three-set match to Sviantek. And then, you know, in Adelaide, she beats Cabrera before losing a really fun three-set match to Coco Goff in qualifying. She is a little bit different than some of these youngsters who are very much predicated on power. She's more in the Goff model where her movement is the thing that makes her stand out in her creativity. She's not afraid to throw in a drop shot lob combo or hit the drop shot, sneak in behind it, and, you know, she'll go early down the line. I actually had the chance to talk to her today following her victory in straight sets over Bolsova 7576. And, you know, I wanted to ask her a little bit, A, about her serve, because if you look at her numbers on Tennis Abstract over the past few seasons, her first serve percentage has declined. Uh, or, you know, compared to the past couple of seasons this year, she was in the 60% before. Now she's at 53% on her first serve this year, but her first serve win percentage has gone from about 60% to 72% on the season. And so I wanted to ask her, has she gotten more aggressive with the serve? Is that something she's noticed? And again, what that Australia game showed her about herself. And I have to say, for someone only 20 years old, she is quite articulate. So she gave me some very long and kind answers. I appreciate that. If that, uh, you know, again, some one could argue that uh, an answer this long could be its own podcast. But still, we wanted to throw that into today's mini break. So without further ado, let's hear a little bit from Kaya Yuvan. Um, congratulations, Kaya, on the victory today. Uh, just a couple of questions on the match and where you're at. Uh, something I've noticed for you, particularly this year compared to the past, your first serve percentage may be down, but you're having more success on your first serve points. I'm curious, is that something that, you know, you are going for as well, perhaps a little bit extra on that first serve? And is that something you're trying to do now in your matches? Um, so actually, the funny thing is that most of the times when my percentage was high, I was serving a lot of second serves for first serves. So it was a little bit like the safer option. Um, but we were also, we also did a little um, adjustments on the serve. Um, in the last month, last two months, three, four, I don't know what, which month it is. Um, but um, I, I, I think my serve is much faster now than it used to be. I have like a good speed average. So right now um, in Australia, my percentage got a little bit higher gradually. Um, now I had a little bit of a break to be honest. So I'm just coming back. And also here, it's a little bit harder to serve because it goes out a little bit more than it normally would, which is also in other shots. Um, but I feel like we, we are working on it a lot. So it's probably just a matter of time when, you know, I get that confidence to serving it in. But other than that, um, my mentality is, if I do two aces in a game and I get another two points, it's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. No, obviously it's working for you given the success you've had. And, you know, on that note for you, you entered the top 100 for the first time this year. Congratulations, obviously, on that. And, you know, with that, you now have the opportunity to be seated here this week and maybe change your schedule a little bit. And I'm curious, A, given that you had some time off between Australia and this, have you reflected on the fact that you are now in the top 100 and then, um, you know, B, uh, what did qualifying for Australia that month there do for you from an experience standpoint? Um, so actually, the qualifying for Australia was really nerve-wracking for everyone. Um, I mean, especially the second rounds, I feel like the girls were playing just so tight. And in my case, I was first out. Um, which was terrible because four days before that, um, I was in Abu Dhabi waiting because if I would get into the, the main draw of Australia, I would be in Abu Dhabi. And then I came in Dubai and they said, well, yes, Ramska is on doping, so they'll probably put her out. And then they didn't put her out. And I remember just being so stressed those three days. I was like, okay, if I don't win it, I'm going to go play other tournaments, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And then I just kind of went through it, um, and especially, like, 
two days after the call is five girls canceled and I remember thinking oh my gosh that was terrible um but I think it was also a good test because you know um you have to learn how to play with players that are like same level higher and then you have to know how to beat the players that are a little bit lower but still like close to you um and then from then on it was like just a few good matches I feel like I started playing better and better, even though Conta retired, I felt like I was there, I could play with her, as well as Iga, I was also very close, um, you know, I I played with Gauf, and I was, like, leading a lot, and, um, you know, like, it's some tough losses, but it's also experience, um, so after that, I thought to myself, okay, you know, like, you're playing well, you're close to these players, you got, like, quite some good wins, and um, I came home for like three days, um, did what I have to do at home, did some blood tests, you know, like to check what my, my body feels like, you know, did some treatments, some practice with Tamara, um, the other Slovenian girl here. And, um, and now we're here. So, so it's, it's been like a lot, especially because I've never been away from home for two months. <laughs> and um, I'm just starting to travel a lot um, because last year was supposed to. Mm -hmm. No, well, no, it's been working. It's been working so well. And if I may ask my last question, I promise, because I anticipate I'm going to have the chance to do this again this week. Uh, for you here, you're the number eight seed. And, you know, you are someone who, if you don't mind me saying, I think something that's a central feature of your game is your movement. And I'm curious for you, given you talk about it two months away from home and, you know, all the quarantine stuff, all the different procedures. How have you been able to find your rhythm here this week? And, you know, physically, how are you feeling coming into Guadalajara? Um, so, I mean, first off, I, I changed my coach, um, before, like after the end of last year, which was a little bit tough because we were together for 12 years. Um, and then I just started working a lot physically, mentally. Um, we were like, we were doing like step by step, like to getting to know each other, um, going through the process, um, it was tough because I only had the new coach in Australia. Uh, so that was also something new, but I think I got to know him a little bit better. We got to see how we function. I had like um, everything I need needed in Australia, um, which was great, you know, because usually you travel from tournament to tournament and you have to do a lot of adjustments. But in Australia, we're just there and we had like everything we needed to use. I was able to use the gym. I was able to, you know, talk to everyone at home, uh, practice as much as I want with girls, which is also not too often. Um, and at the end, I just felt like, you know, like I need matches. I need to be strong. Um, you know, I, I want to improve. I want to play as much as I can in this spirit. And then we'll see how it goes this year because everything is so new. Well, congratulations again, and good luck this week. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So again, Kaya Yuvan, 7-5, victory over Bolsova. I mentioned that first serve trend. She was at 52.1% on her first serve today, 173% of those points, 70.6% of her second serve points. I love her movement. I love her creativity. Very Tommy Paulish. I suppose would be an interesting comp, although I kind of like 
her game. She's a little more solid than Tommy Paul, a little bit more disciplined as well, but she's got that sort of creativity, got that sort of athleticism. I think she's a fantastic contrast to the Sviantex, Osaka's, Benchiches of the world, and I think she's going to be in the mix with them as well. I don't know if she's going to be a top 10 player, but I think she's going to be a top 50 or for a very long time, and again, between her, Tossin, these past few weeks, we've seen so many of these young stars, Goff, uh, continue to have success, uh, and that speaks to how fun it is right now, a time to be a WTA Tour fan, uh, again, just for Yvonne on those numbers, 17 and 11 in her last 52, uh, she is a player on the rise, and again, a straight set win for her in her first match, she's the eight seed here this week, which is crazy. You look at some of the other results we've seen thus far. Three set wins from Astra Sharma, uh, Buznarescu over Vandewey, and Kovinic over Gracheva on in yesterday's action. You also had wins from Davis and Cochiaretto. You look today, and we still have some matches to go as of me recording this, but straight set wins from Shmledova, Zarazua, uh, Kung, and Yuval. Uh, and Zdanzik, three set wins from Cerebes Tormo and number two seed Marie Buzkova. And again, Leila Fernandez right now up 5 4, serving for the match in the third set against Kalinskaya. So it should be a fun week of action in Guadalajara, and we will continue to hopefully be able to speak with some of the winners. We'll offer you those clips again on our cracked interviews from the presser segment. So if you're not, go like, rate, subscribe, review that podcast. And you know I wouldn't ask. If it didn't help us out, so do us a solid, and please be sure to go check that out. You also like the content on there, I promise, as well. But again, uh, that's the action in Guadalajara. Let's switch gears now, talk about the ATP events, and there are three of them, so I'm probably not going to be able to spend quite as much time, and unfortunately, I still haven't quite cracked the code of how to get into those ATP press conferences. Believe me, as soon as I do... You all will be the first to hear from these players. And if you're out there and listening to this and you have a way to uh, perhaps facilitate that sort of access, at Great Shot Pod, my DMs are open, my friends. Anyways, very fun first 16 matches of round, or maybe it's not 16, maybe it's like 13, or top four seeds, so 16, but four matches aren't playing. Uh, so I suppose 12 matches. That's quick math for you folks. In the round of 32 in Doha, the 250 event, we had our number seven seed knocked out in Stan Wawrinka. That's where I want to start today's discussion. It was a 7-6-6-7-7-5 victory for uh, young South African Lloyd Harris. You look in this match, there were three total breaks of serve. They traded breaks, I believe, in that second set, and then Harris getting the break he needed in the third set. You look for him in this match, made 69% of his first serves and was 68 of 84 on those first serve points, 81%. And, you know, if there's one thing Lloyd Harris does at an elite level, it's his serve and his first serve. And, you know, you look for him. He has, over his last 52 weeks, 19 and 11, he's made 66.5, so 67% of his first serves. He's won 75% of those first serve points. Now, that's not quite the elite of the elite, but it's right in the neighborhood. It's the surrounding neighborhood, I suppose. And so, uh, you know, he's got an over 80% hold percentage. She's at 81.6, and he's able to do the thing you need to do against Stan Wawrinka, which is hit the big serve and play plus one tennis, be in control of the point from the start, because if you give Stan Wawrinka clean looks at the ball, he is going to put the ball away cleanly, and you know, for Lloyd Harris, as well as he serves, he's a little bit still, uh, I suppose, leaves the ball a little bit short on those returns, and for Stan Wawrinka, when he was able to play plus one tennis, 61 of 70 on his first serve points, 20 of 40 on second serve points. He fought off three of the five break points he faced. Again, it was one break of serve differentiating these two players. I just think this speaks to Lloyd Harris's serve. He has the modern ATP body, six foot six, can move well for his side, fluid around the court, a little bit creative, but, you know, in terms of he'll move forward, play the drop shot, and, uh, you know, show some hands. Not quite Sasha Bublik. I'd say Sasha Bublik point eight is how I would describe Lloyd Harris, but 
Sasha Bublik, point eight, is a player who's going to be, I think, in the top 100 for a lot of his career. And again, you look in those last 52 weeks, he's 17 and 11. He uh, was able to come through qualifying, make the quarterfinals in Cologne uh, before losing to uh, Zverev in three sets in Antwerp. He made the quarterfinals as well, coming through qualifying before losing to Umber. Now, start of this season for him, he lost to Gerasimov before beating Paparin and Torpegard in the Australian Open. Uh, straight set loss to uh, Mackie McDonald. Straight set loss to Adrian Andreev, the talented young, uh, I believe, Bulgarian in Singapore. And then wins this week over Latko and Wawrinka. And so I believe maybe one more in qualifying. Now he's got Fucevic next, which will certainly be a tough match for him. But that serve is good enough. He is good enough at following it up with a plus one shot, being in control of the point, playing aggressive, going big on his returns to try and create some break point chances. And he's not great in terms of his return numbers. You look at them as well over these last uh, 52 weeks. His break percentage is 20.8%, which is not very good to say the least. That's bottom, I mean, he's not a top 50 player. I think that would be like 46th on the top, in the top 50 of the rankings. That's Isner, uh, you know, sort of territory. Uh, but his serve is almost that good as well. And so I do think there is more upside. I think Lloyd Harris has the fundamentals of a solid player. It's just, again, kind of figuring out his game plan, becoming a little bit more disciplined. But very good win for him over Wawrinka. And to any Wawrinka alarmists out there, you look for Stan 17-8 and eight in his last 52 weeks. Now, that does include a couple of challenger runs. But, you know, you, the round of 32 loss to Hugo Gaston at, at the French wasn't pretty, uh, you know, his loss to Fucevic 7-6 in the fifth set looks a lot better with retrospect at the Australian Open, the loss to Chardy where he withdrew at the Murray River Open, whatever in the warm-up. He's lost his last three matches to Fucevic, Hachinov, and Lloyd Harris, which isn't what ha- would have happened to prime Stan Wawrinka, but considering Stan Wawrinka is, what, 35 years old at the end of, uh, 36 years old at the end of March, he's fine. He's just fine. He'll, he's still got his legs under him. He can still play some very fantastic tennis. But again, that was the one seed who's been knocked out. You talk about my favorite match of the event thus far, Roberto Bautista Good 4-6-6-3-6-4 over Riley Opelka. And just quickly, for the Opelka alarmist, he's 7-9 and nine over his last 52. But here are the losses. Tsitsipas, Goffin in four sets, Jack Sock in straights at the French, Chorich, Fritz, Van de Sanschloop, 7-6-7-6. Fritz in five sets. Uh, sets. Hey, great shot. Fucevic, 7-6-6-7-7-6. And Bautista Agut in three set. He's playing at a really high level. And if you go watch the match, actually, versus uh, Opelka plays versus Bautista Agut, he does a lot of things well. Now, he didn't make a high percentage of his first serves. It was only at 55%, but he won 79% of those first serve points. 22 aces against two double faults. The 19 of 43 on the second serve points, that's, again, another low-hanging fruit for him that I think he will continue to get better at. But he did save 9 of 11 breakpoint chances, and there were only three breaks of serve in this match, one per set. I just... When you watch Opelka play, again, fundamentally, he's sound. And he moves better on a court than any seven-footer has any right to do. This was a really high level of tennis. Bautista Gouda, of course, coming off of the final that he played in, uh, was it Marseille, two weeks ago? I know he got knocked off first round last week against Davidovich Fokina, but the week before he lost in the final to Gofen. He's played really well of late. I thought Riley played really well in this match, and I'm not concerned at all. He's played some good tennis here to start the season. The results just not going quite his way yet. I think they will at some point this year, so keep your eye out on him. In terms of the other results, go Fenn, your uh, uh, your other seed who has played and advanced in straight sets, your other winners, Bublik, Fritz, Dan Evans, Fucevic, all advancing over their opponents, Gasquet, Jaziri, Pospisil, winners in straight sets as well. And then Aslan Karatsev, a wild card into this event, gets a first round win. Now, it was over a fellow wild card, but... Again, considering we're all wondering how real was that Australian Open, at least now we're going to get a really fun chance to get a look at him as he takes on number one seed Dominic Team tomorrow 
in the round of 16 now. I believe we have all eight round of 16 matches on hand. It's going to be team versus Karatsev. Number two seed, Roger Federer back in action. He's going to play Dan Evans, so a little Spider-Man meme-ish uh, match going on there. That'll be fun, though, to see how Federer looks. You've also got Harris Fuchovic, Rublev versus Gasquet, Bublik Bautista Agut. Hello, that matches up my alley. Gofen versus Fritz, Pospisil versus Shapovalov, some Canada on Canada crime, Jaziri versus Basilishvili. Should be a fun day. Again, if you're an early riser, you are going to have some dividends paid tomorrow as you've got the early morning action in both Doha and Dubai for the women. But again, that's what's going on at that event. Let's talk now quickly about the action in Marseille. And I actually will go quickly, I suppose, this time because I don't want this to be too long. If it's an hour of just me... It's a lot of Alex Gruskin, and I don't want to impose that on anyone not directly related to me or, I suppose, living within my household, but not my household, our household. Anyways, uh, you look at the action we've seen thus far, number six and eight seeds eliminating Pierre Uzer Bear. This kind of hits Nishikori off the court. Nishikori was never, never able to find his rhythm. One in four victory for Air Bear. It was also 6-2-4-2 retirement victory for Nishioka. Now, Nishioka got frustrated at something that happened in the first set against Rusevori never really recovered from there but Rus looked good and we did a next gen ATP 2.0 podcast specifically on Emil Rusevori when I say we I mean David Gertler and I for uh, either the next it was either a mini break or a great shot podcast you can find the link directly on our Crack Rackets website if you want to hear more about him but he looked like I expected him to look this season. That was a fun result for him. Your other winners, uh, Luca Pui gets a much-needed victory over qualifier Alex Molkan. Yannick Sinner survives in three sets, 7-6, seven, 6-7, six, six, seven, seven, over Gregoire Bure, uh, Ebden, Gaston, Rindernach, Sanga, and then my guy, Mackie McDonald, continuing his success here early in this season. 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, six victory for him over Travaglia. He's now 22-12 in his last 52. We talked on various podcasts about his Nur Sultan Challenger title a couple of weeks ago, the round of 16 at the Australian Open. Nur Sultan ATP 250 quarterfinal he made uh, at the end of last season. He's healthy and he's playing his best ball. So is Arthur Rinderneck, by the way, who had a ton of challenger success to start last season. He's 23-16 and 16 in his last 52. I believe this is his first ATP level round of 16. And, you know, he made a challenger semifinal at the beginning of February, made uh, a final in the middle of January that he won, I should say, the title in Istanbul. He got good wins there over Nakamura. Kashima, Ben Bonzi, Gunaswaran, Ramanathan. So indoor hardcourt's always going to be the former Texas A&M All-Americans best surface. Certainly that's where they're at in Marseille. And I'm excited. He can beat Davidovich Fokina if Davidovich Fokina plays around too much in the round of 16. But that should be a really fun match. You look at our matchups tomorrow. We've got a little bit of round of 32 action mixed in with some round of 16 now. It's going to be Nori versus Lestien and Hanifman versus Jerasimov, so two former college All-Americans, the former TCU Horned Frog in Nori, former USC Trojan in Hanifman, both, by the way, have been interviewed here on our uh, Cracked Rackets platforms. Uh, you've also, uh, they're taking on Lestien and Jerasimov, by the way, respectively. You've also got former NCAA singles champion Mackie McDonald taking on Karen Hachinov, Sinner versus Go- uh, Gaston, um, Bear versus Sanga, and Ebden versus Rusevori. That's your action in March say in terms of our final event in Santiago another South American ATP clay 250 uh it's it should be another fun one too you always like the South American clay swing because you never know exactly what's going to happen now we've only had one seed knocked off so far it was number six seed Salvatore Caruso and the fact that he lost to Roberto Carbeas Benia 6476 Carbeas Benia best on the dirt he's a top 100 guy uh you know that's a that's a pick a match, and so I don't think that is a shocking result, but had a very fun one last night between Francis Tiafo and Nicolas Jerry Tiafo. 7 6 6 7 7 6. All of the tiebreakers going 9 7, and subsequently including the drama that scoreline should expect. Now, you know, there were only two breaks of serve in this match. There was a lot of plus one tennis. I think the longest rally was probably nine shots, but. 
This is the sort of win Tiafa wasn't getting back in 2018, 2019, and he dropped some F-bombs you could hear over the mic uh, after he won the match, but well-deserved victory for him and Nicholas Jerry, whatever. If you want to say anyone who gets caught doping, you're done with. That's your prerogative. I prefer to give people second chances. I just don't have the time or the, I suppose, care to get that frustrated over something like that. Um, Nevertheless, uh, Jerry continues to get closer to the player he was before he was suspended. Your other winners, uh, Federico Coria, Federico Del Bonis, uh, your seven and eight seeds respectively, both three-set winners over Jean-Luca Magier and Haumi Munar. Uh, then you had a win from Bagnus in three over Cecinato, Daniel Galan in three over Altmaier, and Tabilo in three over Kovalik. You also had wins from Martin, Sosa, Pablo Varias, and then Holger Rune, the number one junior in the world, gets his first ATP level win, 6-3-6-2 over Sebastian Baez. Now, Baez won a challenger, I believe, in February where he knocked off Francisco Serendolo, who was a finalist last week at the ATP 250 level in Buenos Aires, but... Look, Baez didn't have his best stuff today. The ball was kind of floating on these slow clay courts, and Rune was able to just play attacking tennis. And for the world junior number one, Holger Rune, if you don't know about the 17-year-old Danish player, he, in his last 52 weeks, 40-12 and 12 in ATP matches. Now, a lot of them have come at the ITF level, and he's made six finals since September uh, at the ITF level, four on clay, two on hard courts. He's three and three in the finals, all of them coming on clay. But he doesn't have the game of the traditional uh, clay court. Yeah, the backswings are a little big, but they're not huge. I don't think they'd be compromised by a quicker court, and he moves well, but that movement going to translate. He, you know, going to take the ball. I think he takes the ball early. He wants to move forward. I think that's going to work on a hard court. I do think, again, the forehand's a little big, but his ability to absorb and redirect pace on the backhand side is uh, pretty good. He's not an excellent mover, but he's solid. Um, You know, when he gets stretched, sometimes he turns to slice a little bit too soon, but that's also a product of him being stretched for probably the first time in his career and just, you know, getting used to the physicality of the ATP level. I think that's something that'll obviously come with time considering he's 17 years old, but the ball explodes off of his strings. And not it's not quite the FAA Rublev, uh, honestly, even Serendolo forehand level, but it's pretty good. It's it's very good. It's a noticeable pop. And considering he's 17 years old, that it's noticeable pop is noticeable for all of us tennis fans. And, you know, he's now, he's 2-8 and eight in his career at the challenger level. So he's still got a lot to prove, but he's only 17 years old. And this sort of success at the ITF level to go into the ATP 250, beat a guy like Baez, uh, that's a really good win for the young Rune, who with the result, you look in the live rankings, and he was a qualifier here this week, up to number 336, which is a new career high, and you look for the players under 18 years old currently in the ATP rankings. Holger Rune now going to be the second highest ranked player behind only a guy similar in age, Carlos Alcaraz, who we've talked so much on this podcast about, uh, who's at number 131 for now, but for Holger Rune, he and Alcaraz, the only only under 18-year-olds inside the top 400. You've also got Shintaro Machizuki, Luca Nardi, and Martin Dam hovering in the top 900. But again, big gap between a top 900 ranking and a top 400 ranking. Holger Rune's got that now, and to be honest, with his play of late, he deserves it. So fantastic level from him to knock off Baez. Well, it wasn't even fantastic, but it was good. It was very good. And for a 17-year-old, that is a fantastic performance. Now, you look at tomorrow's matches. Should be a fun day in Santiago. We've got... Uh, Pedro Sosa taking on number four seed Lazo Jur, Francis Tiafo taking on Fasundo Bagnus, Fidel Bonus taking on Andre Martin, Holger Rune back in action against Benoit Pair. Should be a fun four singles matches in Santiago. Now, uh, just literally going to breeze through these ATP challengers in St. Petersburg. We had two noticeable results. Roman Sefillian, the number one seed, loses first round for the second straight week. Although it was Tamir Zabasic, 6-4-7-6, but tough loss for the top seed. Tough loss for number three seed, Chem Ilko, but it was a three-set loss to Jack Sock, and I did a Patreon match of the day, which you can listen to if you subscribe to our Patreon uh, channel, which we 
sincerely appreciate anyone who does. Um, Sock looked good. Ickle looked good, but Sock looked good, and that's the big takeaway. Now, Safilian uh, Ickle and number eight seed Gabishvili, who was knocked off by Chilik Bellic. The seeds knocked off. Otherwise, Popko, Kopel, Mulliker, Zook, and Eubanks all advancing. You also had wins from uh, Adjukovic, uh, Ortega, Olmido, uh, Churyanov, Vatutin, uh, Yevgesev, and Laheka, the talented young Czech. Uh, so it should be a fun day of action in St. Petersburg tomorrow. You look at the matches, Adjakovic versus Eubanks, Yevyesev uh, versus Popko, Kopel versus Vetutin, and Mullica versus Laheka, a match that has David Gertler written all over it. You've also got Zizou Bergs, by the way, taking on Peja Kristin. So should be a fun day in St. Petersburg. In Biela, uh, you've had three of your top four seeds knocked out. Andrea Arnabaldi, Luca Nardi, uh, the talented young Italian who I just mentioned, and Lorenzo Giacino knocking out James Duckworth, Yuki Sagita, and Yasutaka Uchiyama, respectively. Now, you also had number 18, Martin Kleeson, knocked off Bud. You got wins from Gojewicz. You got wins from Rodionov. You also had another talented check, Jonas Foryacek, uh, getting a win over Kamka. Brody, Hassa, Halis, Kolar, Lamassine, and Braden Schnurr. Your other winners, you look for the matches on hand tomorrow. It's going to be uh, Wu versus Marchenko, Stakovsky, Seppi, Gojewicz, Halis, Bakinger versus Haas. You've also got Santillan versus Husler, Kolder versus Rodionov, and then young Luca Nardi. Tough test for him against veteran Liam Brody. That will be a fun one. But that is your action. That is your spread for this week's ATP and WTA professional tour action. It really is line them up, line them up. Or what was the Joker in The Dark Knight? Rack them up, rack them up, rack them up. Whatever that line was, that's what the tour is doing right now. I know we're still within a pandemic, and of course we are hoping all these players following and you know being able to stay within the safety and health regulations and protocols, but uh, it seems to be working, and that is a blessing for all of us tennis fans. Now, uh, with that in mind, of course, if you have missed out on any of the action, you can catch up on everything on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligger and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Uh, one or two last things. If you want to hear more about the challengers, Great Shot Podcast, David Gertler and I. You want to hear more about the college tennis Thursday, I am going to be joined by Matt Sequoia, Chris Halliors, to recap all of the past, I suppose, 10 days action. Also, cracked interviews this week. Monday, Brian Calvis. Throughout the week, we'll have from the pressers. We've also got the other half of the UNC tennis program, Sam Paul, head coach for the men on Thursday. Be on the lookout for that. So plenty of content coming to all of you Cracked Rackets fans. I also would be remiss if I did not give a shout-out and a huge birthday wish to my doubles partner, Partner in Crime. And man, you are hopefully going to be hearing from this week on a podcast, my friend Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman turning 25 years old today. Happy birthday to Maxie. Westoff, give me that happy birthday sound effect, please. Uh, I spend many a times with him, many hours with him on the phone chatting, talking about the many different things. And uh, obviously, uh, unfortunately, he's been busy, and so he hasn't had time to come on the podcast. But if if there were credits, if this was a TV show, his name would still appear in the credits. So shout out to you, Maxie. You know how I feel about you. As always, I love you, and happy birthday to you. But with that in mind, for my super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 